Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your faithful people with the fire of your love. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. In the 1930s, Stella Gibbons published her parody novel, Cold Comfort Farm, about 19th century English country life. And the novel opens finding the main character newly orphaned, Miss Flora Post. Having completed, as it says, an expensive education, and fully capable of every art and grace, except that of any ability to earn her own living. As a result, Flora writes to every living relative and decides that she will live with the most interesting relatives of them all, the Stark Adders at Cold Comfort Farm. When she arrives, Flora befriends her much older cousin, Amos, who is a self-taught fire and brimstone country preacher at the church of the quivering brethren. And one day, Flora decides that she must investigate this church of the quivering brethren, so she goes with her cousin into the village to a church meeting hall that Flora describes as something that looks like a dog kennel. When she enters, a hymnal is pushed into her hands and all the congregation is shaking and singing, Whatever shall we do, O Lord, when Gabriel blows o'er sea and river, fen and desert, mound and ford, the earth may burn, but we will quiver. To which she liked the firmness of purpose, but found the words awfully strange. Okay, so the church service begins, and Cousin Amos, as the minister, enters the room, and the room is quiet. A sense of fear and terror fills the air. Anxiety is omnipresent. The quivering brethren are quivering. And Cousin Amos begins the service by asking people why they've come. What good will it do ye? not the flicker of a whisper of a bit of good. And he sits and continues to grumble about the sins of the community. And then he pauses, and he stands up suddenly, glaring down from the pulpit over the entire congregation, looking at them in the eye. He shudders and thunders at the top of his voice. You're all damned. And Flora says, immediately an expression of lively interest and satisfaction passed over the faces of the brethren. <laughs> Parody, yes. But today's gospel makes me feel like I'm entering this church near Cold Comfort Farm. Jesus is proclaiming what scholars call his ethical exhortations. But if there was ever any reason for preaching a sermon after the readings, my brothers and sisters, today is that day. 
Jesus' message last week had us calling our hearts to be drawn into doing good for the sake of God's kingdom, not just so that we could do the right things, but that we could do loving things for the sake of God and for the sake of the world. But today we hear Jesus offering a retelling of the Ten Commandments. He's expanding on them. Don't murder, don't steal, do not bear false witness. But Jesus expands on these with a much harsher tone, and some of this stuff makes us all very uncomfortable. The reality is that human beings are filled with emotions. Sometimes our emotions lead us to actions, some actions that favor both us and God, and other times actions that just favor us. Jesus is seeking to show how a life with God requires us to keep ourselves honest about our intentions. Do we truly want to follow God, or do we want what we want? Do we want to follow God, or do we want what we want. So many theologians have coined all kinds of phrases about human intentionality and why oftentimes we choose what we want over what we know what is best for ourselves and best for God. There's an aspect to human be behavior that we gravitate towards this. Some people call it our brokenness. But today, Jesus is actually calling us to see light in the midst of our actions that serve our self-interest. Jesus is calling us to see the light. For example, when we're angry, how do we find a sense of reconciliation? How do we repair situations where we've hurt others? When we've been less than faithful to spouses or even to friends and family in some kind of way, what are things that call us back to repairing and to repair that love that we have for those whom we really care about? And when we have misled others, what are we doing to stand a bit more solidly in the midst of having integrity and proclaiming truth. Again, this is a hard gospel. We're kind of left hanging without any further direction. We need to bring it a little closer to the real world, to something that we can relate to. I want to share a story with you. One time, uh, my sponsoring church's rector, Carol Anderson, told me a story about a very successful young man. She was helping prepare him and his fiancée for marriage. I'll continue in her words. And his fiancée that night had to work, so I got to talking to him, and he was a very self-assured, one of these people who's just way too young and way too rich at the age of 28 or 29, extremely self-assured. And I thought, I'm going to find out what's going on behind the scenes here. So I said to him, when you're not working, what do you do? And he said, well, I spend time with my fiancée. And when you're not with her, what do you do? 
he said, I play polo. Polo. And I said, when you're not doing that, what do you do? And he stopped and he thought and he said, well, I, I spend time with my friends. And I said, when you're not spending time with your friends, then what do you do? And he said, well, sometimes I watch TV. And I said, if you're not doing that, what do you, what do, you do? And he said, well, sometimes I read. And I said, when you're not doing that, and he looked at me like, what is your problem? And I said, oh, I'm just trying to get to know who you are. So I said to him, when you're not doing that, what do you do? And then he just looked at me and he blurted out, when I don't do all those things, I get scared. And he said, I'm all by myself and with none of that going on, I don't like to have those moments by myself because I get scared. So after hearing this story, I realized that our own self-motivation, our own hyped-up self-assurance, our own material success, our own abilities to do all sorts of things in the world for ourselves can quite often lead us scared, isolated, alone. In fact, so much so that Jean Vanier, the founder of the L'Arche Communities, suggests that we carry deep wounds of loneliness and darkness that aren't easily overcome by ourselves. And so we seek belonging. We seek community. We seek light by forming community. And both Paul in his letter to the Corinthians today and Moses' speech that we hear from Deuteronomy, they both confirm this. As Paul says, if we truly belong to Christ, then we have a common purpose. We walk together. The imagery that he uses is of a great garden. Some of us plant the seeds, and some of us pull the weeds, and some of us water the garden, and others harvest the garden. But we do it together. We have a common purpose for a greater good. Imagine our cathedral community functioning in this way. Each of us bringing our best talents, our best selves, our best treasure, our greatest selves into this community to not only choose something for ourselves, but to build up something for one another and for God. How do you think we're doing this now? As my dean's commentary mentions this week, we have many centers of ministry in our community, from prayer ministries to fellowship ministries to worship ministries to outreach and pastoral ministries, all of these function to further God's kingdom. But even outside the walls of Trinity, people in our congregation take their spiritual integrity, their best selves, outside of these walls, into their workplaces, into state and city government, into schools, into major industries, and enter into centers of healing and health and wellness, and centers of help, too. 
If we plotted the influence of this cathedral's community on a map of the entire Phoenix area, I think we would be astounded at the levels of ministry that we do inside and outside of this church. I think it would be astounding. But we're called to even today to follow a further path of life. We're called to expand. We're called today to see how God might guide us further, further into a community of life. Imagine Trinity being a center of reconciliation, for healing the wounds of broken structures that promote poverty and homelessness, or a center of light to heal torn relationships between people, or a center of truth to call not only ourselves, but all the people of Phoenix and maybe the whole state to be God's family making sure that all are included and that absolutely no one is shut out. Imagine what a blessing that would be. And so every time we gather on Sunday, we immerse ourselves in Eucharistos, thanksgiving. Thanksgiving that God is giving us life by leveling the playing field between our self-interest and God's life-giving interest in us and bringing us on board, rallying around God's table, a table where we are breaking the power and presence of Christ Jesus open for all of us to take and receive and to be transformed, blessed, and ultimately set free. You're not alone you're not alone. We are together as disciples of Jesus in community. This holy table that will help us see through the reality of our lives that God, in the words of Dorothy Day, that God wants us to wake up and realize that we are created in the image of God so that we can in turn Go out and love more. The holy table, that's a reminder that God levels the playing field for us each and every Sunday, inviting us to come on board, to begin the journey again, to hike up a new mountain with God, to view a new horizon, and to get a glimpse of that promised land that awaits and so as we leave church today and begin a new week, we're given an opportunity, a choice. We're peering over a mountain that God has taken us up to. And we're viewing the promised land, a new and transformed Trinity Cathedral community for a new phoenix with a real and life-giving firmness of purpose. And God has even rounded up the entire presence of heaven and earth to show us the possibility and promise of life and blessing that awaits us. The time to begin our exploration is now.
the time to answer our calling, the time to say yes to transformation is today. You, my brothers and sisters, are God's field, God's building, God's disciples in community. Don't quiver. Choose life.